Hi-Fi Nation for Slate Plus. Today I'm joined by Lisa Newman-Polk, who is the attorney for Eugene Ivey, Eric Williams' best friend who was responsible for helping him get redemption in the DDU. Lisa has been guiding Eugene through his own process of trying to get parole after over a decade in the DDU and over 25 years in prison. This is Eugene's story. From the episode, we know a bit of Eugene's backstory. So why don't you start with the parole process? So he was up for parole when, and how did you work with him to get parole? Yes, so Massachusetts is a little bit unusual in that since the changed here, men and women who are who are categorized as juvenile lifers are actually assigned lawyers. So this began happening around four or five years ago. And therefore, a couple of years before Eugene's parole hearing, I was assigned to work with him to help him prepare for his parole hearing. And in my view, more importantly, just help him prepare for hopefully one day getting out to the community. He had his hearing October 1st of 2019. And he was just more than ready for it. And it was a a long time coming after 25 years in prison. He went in at the age of 17. Um, It was on a second degree murder. And in the crime, he brought a gun essentially to a drug deal gone wrong. He initiated pulling the gun out. The gun was grabbed from his hand by somebody else. And that other person actually shot the person who died. So he was still convicted for second degree murder based on the fact that he introduced that gun uh, to the scene. So what happened for Eugene is that he went into prison, not just angry, but really confused by the trajectory of his life. His childhood was filled with really, really difficult um, emotional and physical turmoil. His mother died from AIDS when he was 14 years old. Um, He was in juvenile custody at the time. And when he went to her funeral, he was actually in shackles as like a five foot little boy uh, as he went to her casket. And um, that's just one incredibly devastating moment of a childhood that um, was just filled with a lot of violence and a lot of fraught experiences. So when he went in, on that prison sentence, there was a lot of rage. And that's what he would talk about, a lot of anger. And Eric, who was featured in the story, his best friend since childhood, and the two of them were actually in prison together. And this riot that broke out in it, Eugene's role was that he punched the superintendent. And he also punched another CO twice. And um, it was a big melee in the chow hall. So it was all chaos. But essentially, his physical actions were these punches that occurred. And as a result of it, um, likely because he punched the superintendent, he was sentenced to 10 years of solitary confinement in the so-called departmental disciplinary unit, the DDU. Um, And so he went in there. Um, not having any of his rage at all simmered down, but really just going as a person, I believe he was 23 years old at the time. Um, Maybe he was a little bit older than that, but um, thinking how in the world am I going to get through 10 years in solitary and I'm already on a life sentence. So the process was really difficult. And um, as Eric talked about in, in the story, it's ultimately their friendship um, and 
I think, I believe the fact that both of these two men are just so intelligent, so thoughtful, so have so much humanity that those characteristics that they already actually held and then together this joint bond that they had is really what helped get both of them through the experience and to the other side. Um, and so at this point, you know, Eugene got out of the DDU um, around 2014 and uh, he was sent to Susan Baranowski Correctional Center, the maximum security prison, that's the step down from the DDU. And um, he just did every single program under the sun that he could possibly do, which is quite a feat because there's not a lot of programming offered at Susan Baranowski, but he just did everything possible. And um, he sought out mental health. Um, I know the clinician who worked with him for about four years. And um, he was actually, believe it or not, never designated an open mental health case, meaning he was never deemed to have mental illness, but he would put in what's called six slips and would seek out having talk therapy regularly. And this one clinician followed him. So by the time we got to seeing the parole board, or when I got assigned him, I should say, about two years ago, I thought, oh my gosh, like, I just don't know if the board is going to be able to see that he is this remarkable human being. Because when you look at him on paper, yes, he's done all this programming, but at the same time, he's been in all this upper level custody and he's been in solitary for such a long time. And honestly, people don't come out of doing that type of time sane. They just don't. You know, the big project that we had was to make sure that the parole board could see really who he is as a human being. And to my incredible delight, the board um, did see that. He wrote an incredibly moving autobiography about his life and um, and the board saw him for who he is and they granted him parole. That's, give me dates here. So Yeah, so he saw the board October 1st, 2019. And recently at the end of March, he received the decision that he was granted parole. And it was a, a bittersweet moment because it was during the COVID-19 pandemic, um, which obviously we're still in. But what happened is that a lot of the decisions in Massachusetts for life or cases can take about a year for a person to, to get issued to them. So you see the board and you don't get a decision for about a year later in most cases. He and about 20 other individuals were granted expedited decisions, letting them know you were actually granted parole and it was considered an abbreviated um, decision without a lot of detail, but letting you know, you know you've been granted parole. So it was incredibly exciting. Um, I nearly lost my mind. Um, <laughs> I got an email sitting at my computer and my you know, daughter is home seven years old and my husband are here and we're you know, sheltering in place. And I see this email come up and I'm in the middle of eating something. I, I, I think I nearly spit out my meal. I was out of my mind with excitement. I just started running around my kitchen screaming, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And, um, and I had the great pleasure of calling Eric because I couldn't even tell Eugene yet. I called Eric and he was just on the phone and just said, Lisa, 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 just like taking in the news was just so much for him. And so, um, but the sort of unfortunate bitter part of it is that because of the Chow Hall melee that happened in May of 2001, Eugene was also charged criminally in court. And Eric talked about this process during the episode. There's two parts of the punishment. Uh, internally, as an administrative matter, um, 
men will be sent to the departmental disciplinary unit for long-term solitary confinement. It's purely considered punishment. And at the same time, they get charged criminally in court with a new charge. And so Eugene uh, was charged with assault and battery and a correctional officer, and he was sentenced to a four to five year on and after sentence. So what that means is now that he has been paroled from his life sentence, he is now paroled into this four to five year on an after sentence. So now he just recently began doing time on the assault and battery and a correctional officer. You know, it's painful to think about because this was an incident that happened in May of 2001. We're talking almost 20 years ago. He has already suffered so much. Um, even though I said he, he got a 10-year sentence that turned into 12 years and eight months because of early disciplinary problems where he wasn't, quote, adjusting well enough. They keep adding time. And so, um, so here he is at uh, 42 years old and still having to serve more time on that sentence. But um, we are, you know, there is a legal case going on right now. Um, challenging some aspects of it, which I won't really get into, but needless to say, I'm really focused on just trying to help him get prepared to rejoin the community um, in his mid forties after being locked up at age 17. So the way that things are counted by the state is he had this original sentence, 25 to life, something like that, right? It was 15 to life. Okay. The original sentence was 15 to life. And he served how much of 15 to life? So now he has served 25 and a half years at so this he's point. he's served 25 and a half years of a 15 to life sentence. And then being paroled out of that sentence, he has this other sentence that's four to five years. Correct. And in the meantime, you know, the way Eugene and I work together is just trying to keep him, I think, just focused on trying to stay as positive as possible for his future. And another really unfortunate, bitter part of the bittersweet is that within days of him getting this incredible news that he'd been granted parole, which is just unbelievably thrilling, the prison went into a lockdown. And by lockdown, I mean that he has been now locked in a cell for 23 and a half hours a day since April 3rd. Now, but the lockdown's COVID-related. Correct. Sorry, I should have clarified. So this is COVID-related. So because of COVID-19 and because of all, frankly, I think because of all of the um, advocacy saying people can't socially distance in prison, we can't keep people safe, they can't stay separated, um, the prison's response has been to lock everyone in their cells if they have a cell. So there's a certain proportion of prisoners who are locked in dorms. So I have a client who actually just called, and I missed his call, who is in a dorm setting um, where it's 16 men, and they're all essentially sheltering in place together, if you will, and they're not allowed to leave the dorm. But those who have cells, which is actually the majority of people in the Massachusetts prison system, they have been locked into cells, either by themselves or with a cellmate. And actually, in Eugene's case, he's with a cellmate, which he finds worse, I think, partially because he got so adjusted to living, you know, in a cell by himself for all those years. But I think more importantly, most of my clients would prefer a single cell, as bizarre as that might sound. But when you're a grown person and you have zero space, and we're talking about 
a cell that's the size of a parking space and it's just a bathroom and your bunk beds, there's no privacy. And so, yeah, they've been locked in 23 and a half hours a day. And it's been really, um, frankly, it's been really heartbreaking to listen to him because it can hear him sometimes trying to put on like a happy voice for me and tell me everything's okay. But I, I know him well enough. We talk multiple times a week for a couple of years I know this has been really hard on him. So that's the state of the prison system right now. The Massachusetts Department of Corrections has started to let prisoners out into the yard for an hour, twice a week, since I recorded this interview with Lisa. There are constant updates on the conditions in prisons during COVID-19, in Massachusetts and wherever you live at the Prisoners Legal Services of Massachusetts and at the Prison Policy Initiative. You can find a link in our show notes. Um, well, why don't we end up on a, a little bit of a more positive note because there's so much to be really depressed about. Why don't you tell the listeners out there how Eric is doing right now? Oh, Eric. Oh my gosh. What, again, what another amazing human being <laughs> I am. Eric has been doing, you know, I think really, really well overall. And I say this given the circumstances of what he has been through. He is a great job. As he said, he works as a full-time maintenance guy. He's still been able to work through COVID-19. His little son, Levi, is um, so cute. I haven't been able to meet him, but I see lots of pictures on Facebook and I hear all about him from Eric. And it sounds like he's doing great and and uh, Eric's very focused on making sure his son gets a good education and um, has an experience different from his own and um, I think knowing his friend you know Eugene is going to be getting out is a huge relief because Eric has had major um, survivor's guilt so that's been huge and um, you know other than that I think he's just he does daily work to get through the part that's been hard and as he said taken from him but he's, he's making it in this world and it's been awesome to be able to get to know him through that. 